the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Jesus is waiting for each of his disciples to prepare a guest room for him to eat. This is our guest room. We, we worship together as a community, the body of Christ, at least once a week, some of you daily, to renew our, our union with the body of Christ. But we all have a guest room in our hearts. Most of us have a guest room in our home, and Christ wants to come and be our guest and live here. Only mortal sin throws him out, you know, and even then he can't wait to get back in. But have we prepared our guest room? Do we know who we're about to receive? Do you know that it was Christ that spoke to you in all three of these readings? Do you know that he wants to come and have a sacred meal with you and a sacrifice and then ask you, what are you sacrificing for me? Look what I've done for you. It's a constant uh, uh, dialogue that goes on throughout our lives, although sometimes we don't see him in the guest house. We keep it ready. A nice chapel over, over in the rectory. That's one of the benefits of being a priest. I need to have the Eucharist over there for sick calls, so I get to keep him over there. And uh, it's wonderful, but... but that's not where Christ is there alone. He has to be within us. The readings are so beautiful today. I want to go over a little bit what happens at the Mass. And these readings, we start out with Moses sprinkling the people. They're making sacrifice in the desert, something we don't see anymore, uh, animal sacrifices. But at the time these stories were written, everybody knew this. Even pagans did these things. And for the Jews... This was the Passover lamb that they'd been rescued from Egypt. The blood of, as Hebrews says, the blood of goats and sheep and rams and, and, and bullocks and calves, these things can't, can't ever take away sin. It was the blood of Christ that does this. They were looking forward in time to Christ's sacrifice. The Lord God was already seeing the sacrifice of his son for them in the future. For God, it was already present. And so they symbolically were sprinkling what would be the blood of Christ. When we get to the New Testament, it, Christ came through the veil with his own blood. This veil, the veil of the temple, only the high priest went in once a year when he had to go all these ritual washings and things, and they went in. There was absolutely nothing in there, but it was the presence of God. And Christ pierces this veil, which to us is his death, of course. We can't see beyond this world what really is out there. And he invites us then into the Passover. This Jesus is dying at Passover, the Lamb of God. Now, we come to the Passover itself in Mark's Gospel. This is sometimes read on Holy Thursday, this reading. And in this case, Jesus invites his disciples uh, to prepare the Passover, to make a room for him. And they find a room with couches and things and they go in there and have the Passover, the upper room. Jesus give, takes bread and wine, and he says, take it, all of you, and, and eat, this is my body. Then he says, take this and drink, this is the cup of my blood. You will notice these are the same words that we use at the consecration. The, it, the Mass is a combination of all four sources, the three Gospels and 1 Corinthians, or second, 1 Corinthians has got an account of the Last Supper that they used every time they worshiped. And so what Jesus wanted was that the disciples sharing <coughs> his, his body and blood, when Jesus went to the cross, they would go with him physically. When he died, they would die with him as a relative. When he rose from the dead, 
they would rise with him. And this is exactly what he wants us to do as Christians, to actually have his body and blood exactly the same as we find at the Last Supper. And so this is not just a reenactment of the Last Supper. It is a sacred meal, one like we will find in heaven. Uh, the banquet in the kingdom of heaven is a wonderful image of a wedding banquet, and Christ will be at every table. But it's also a sacrifice because the Mass is the same sacrifice that Christ offered on the cross. It is, we are made present to it. It is, it is not symbolic, it is real, but we can't see him normally. Christ, too, did not look like God. He didn't go in the dark. If he, if he looked like God, they would have never killed him. He looked like an ordinary, down-and-out, impoverished, powerless human being. Even the disciples had trouble believing at that moment. After eating his body and blood, they all split. But John came back. But Jesus wants us to share in this, and so he offers us a chance to be here. And so when the priest, in other words, when the priest is then offering at the consecration, the body and blood, especially the blood in, in this context with these readings, as he holds this up, he is offering to the Father Jesus' own sacrifice, not a new sacrifice, not, not a reenacted one, not, not, uh, not re-sacrificing Christ, but the same one on the cross. And it's always pleasing to God. Every believer uh, has within them the sacrifice of Christ. That's our salvation, his death and resurrection. So we unite our own, our own uh, sacrifice with his as we come to Mass and we receive the Eucharist. We, I wanted to share with you one little Eucharistic story that, that was, the Pope was involved in. Some of you may have heard of this. It's called the Miracle of Buenos Aires. It occurred in, I believe, 1998. It was a priest that... that uh, or someone found in cleaning the pews, they found that somebody had taken a consecrated host and, and put it, uh, it, it was placed in, in the pew somehow. Uh, this occasionally happens that non-Catholics don't know what, what the Eucharist is and they've received and they shouldn't have it. Whatever it is, you know, and uh, so when that happens and it's consecrated, what we do and what I've done, when I've, the few times I've seen this, we put it in a glass of water and normally put it in the tabernacle and it dissolves in about two weeks. And then when it's dissolved, we pour it down the sequarium, which is a sink with a, with a, a drain that goes into the ground, and that's how that's dealt with. Um, so the priest in Buenos Aires, after eight days, he checked on it to see the progress, because once, once it's dissolved, it's no longer the body of Christ. That's how we handle that, with dignity. And uh, to his surprise, he found that not only was the host still there, but it had turned into what looked like flesh and blood. So he was quite... Uh, uh, taken aback by this and called the archbishop, who happened to be the same person who's now Pope Francis. I, I, I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. Bergoglio or anyway, archbishop, whatever he was. <laughs> it's still his last name, but I can't pronounce it. The person who's now Pope Francis saw this and had, a, had it photographed. And he said, well, let's put it back in the tabernacle and wait. And very, very smart, very cautious. Uh, and so after three years, they got it out again and it was still there. And so uh, Pope Francis, now Pope Francis, had a piece of it taken and analyzed scientifically uh, without telling the scientists in Argentina where it came from. And so the conclusion from them was that this was a, human, a piece of human flesh. It came from the human, a human heart. The 
the left or right ventricle, where the, the one of the four chambers where the blood is pushed out to the body, that, that part of the heart is where this came from. Very significant, I think, uh, where the work is being done of pushing out. And they also uh, noticed, they said, well, this is obviously taken from someone that, that uh, just died because the, the uh, piece that you gave us was still alive when we, gave, when you, when we received it. You know, they didn't tell them it started out as a piece of bread. And so uh, they also pointed out that this particular piece of heart muscle had been severely traumatized. You could tell this because the heart muscle was full of white corpuscles much, in a much greater amount than one would normally find in a healthy heart. So the conclusion was a human heart, part of the ventricle that, where the blood is pushed out, severely traumatized by, by, uh, by torture and, and stress and recently died. Uh, and then when, uh, when they were told where it came from, they could not believe it. So today you can, you can venerate that in Buenos Aires. This is not an unusual phenomenon. Uh, I have a book with 500 such stories. Three of the most famous ones I've been privileged to visit and celebrate mass there, Santarem, Lanciano, and Orvieto. Those are the three big ones. Uh, and, and two of the three have been scientifically analyzed and found the same inexplicable uh, results. Oddly enough, they all have the same blood type as the Shroud of Turin also, which is just an interesting fact. These things are not going to prove that this is the body and blood of Christ. Christ is never going to prove it beyond the shadow of a doubt. Until we die, we have, must always find God in faith. He always pulls back enough so that we have a choice to make. And this is true of the Eucharist. The Eucharist is really our opportunity to unite ourselves with Christ. Sometimes we're just filled with joy. My gosh, it's a nice warm day. So many great things, you know, sometimes in Oregon, summer doesn't come until July, you know, that kind of thing. Other times we have real struggles in our lives and we can say to God, you know, Lord, I'm struggling with this thing that I find myself with that must be your permissive will somehow. Uh, I want to unite it to your sacrifice on the cross. I know you were traumatized for love of me. I'm traumatized too. Let me receive this. Or somebody in my family needs something. This is, he wants to unite himself with us. The Eucharist becomes part of our body. We can't separate it. You can't ever take it away. And in the same way, you can't ever take away God's love for us. Uh, every Mass is a Eucharistic miracle. Very rarely are they overtly shown. Uh, but... In fact, you can read a new one in the Adoration Chapel every month. They ch we change the poster. We've got 50 of them that we're putting out there. Uh, Jesus wants us to understand how much he loves us. He wants us to understand that we're saved and washed in the blood of Christ. Baptism is a washing in the blood of Christ. Going to reconciliation is a washing, once again, in the blood of Christ for serious sin. When we come to Eucharist, we receive his blood and his blood becomes part of our blood. We are called to prepare a place for him, a home within our own homes where we live, but especially in our hearts. Where is Christ comfortable living within me as I go about my business every day? We don't keep him in church, we take him out to the world. We just pray that God will grant us many graces as we receive his body and blood and listen to his word and are invited to his great banquet in the kingdom of heaven.